Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Renee Evans. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. Hi! How's it going, church family? I tell you what, we sure do miss you. I am an extrovert, and so I am dying over here. I just want to hug your necks. I just want to see your faces. I miss you all so much. just want to echo what others have said. Happy birthday, Megan. We love you so incredibly much. You're such a gift to us uh, on a corporate level, but on an individual level. And we just, we adore you. So happy birthday. Be blessed today. Okay, let's pray. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you, Father, that you We're just so thick in the room during worship, God, that your presence was so tangible, God. We thank you for that, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just penetrate our hearts tonight, not just with the worship, but with the Word of God as well. We ask you to come in greater measure. We ask you to come with your peace, and we ask you to come with your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Well, I have um, so many topics and so many messages that I want to preach, and I feel as though I have to um, send most of them to the back burner right now and just kind of concentrate right now on um, the season that is at hand. And so I think what would be most helpful um, is if I just preach and speak about what the Lord is talking to me in this season about. I had this great message on the fear of the Lord, but I didn't really feel like it was appropriate that we would add, you know, more to this season than, uh, than we should. And so I threw that one out the window for now. But um, anyways, I have been obviously in self-isolation like most of you have as well. And so we are just navigating these new waters uh, together. And so like any good worship song, I have a lot of water references happening in my life right now. I'm in a storm. I'm in deep waters. I'm being thrown in the deep end. Um, (laughs) So I don't know if you can relate, but I want to talk tonight a little bit about that. I grew up as a bit of a water baby. So I was around water all the time. I, we would holiday near, um, this lake uh, and we went camping and it was amazing. We'd go fishing out on the boat. We would go water skiing. Uh, We grew up at the beach. Praise the Lord for Australia. Can we just take a moment and say thank you, Lord? (laughs) Uh, I went to North Padre Island last year and I'm like, this is what you're calling a beach? No, I'm just kidding. But (laughs) I do miss and love Australia. Um, But I did grow up near the water, and I have found myself kind of in this interesting season, like I said, of using all of these analogies, like, God, I feel like I'm in the deep end here, and I'm struggling to keep my head above the water, or, you know, this feels like such a storm, like a crazy storm that is raging around me. And so he actually has been bringing up principles that I learned in the natural regarding water and being around water and turning them into spiritual lessons for me in this season. And so I just wanted to share a few of those with you tonight. Um, (laughs) Okay, so like I said, I grew up going to the beach and I don't know about you, but we had it drilled into us as children that you got to stay between the flags. So for all of those who grew up around a beach, 
you know that the flags is where it's the safety zone. If you swim between the flags, you're in the safety zone. It's where the lifeguards go in the morning and they map out the tides of the water and the weather conditions. And they place the flags in the place where there is the least amount of current. So it's safer for swimmers to be swimming. And so, like, I mean, my parents, like every parent, I think, who takes their kids to the beach was so adamant, like, stay between the flags, stay between the flags. And I never really understood why until one time I got caught in a rip current. <laughs> and I tell you, like, I was a pretty strong swimmer, but, like, I struggled big time to make it back to the flags and back into shore. And I felt like the Lord started talking to me about this principle. And he was like, Renee, it's just the same. Stay between the flags. <laughs> and I was reading the scripture. And I read this in Hebrews. And this is in chapter 2. And this is in the Passion Translation. It says this. This is why it is so crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the truths that we have heard so that we do not drift off course. And as I was reading that, I was asking the Lord, I'm like, God, well, what are the truths that we are to be attentive to? What are the truths that are crucial for us to be watching out for? And he said that they're the flags of the word and of the presence. And as I was reading this, actually, the truths in this uh, verse of scripture is actually related back to Deuteronomy 32, 47, where it talks about the law. And it said, if you keep the law, you will have prolonged days. And I was reading that and I'm like, I'm like, God, this is so your word because we know that Jesus didn't come to destroy the law, amen, but he came to fulfill it. And this right here is the truth, the word of God that we get to stand on, that we get to put as a flagpole in our lives to help keep us on course, amen. And another part of that scripture in Hebrews 2, in the New King James Version, it talks about how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. And to me, salvation is relationship with Jesus. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen? And not only that, it is his presence. It is his presence that lives within us. It is his presence that consumes us. And so his presence is a marker in our life too. And if we can stay in this safety zone between his presence and his word, then that is where we are covered. That is where we are safe. That is where we are the most engaged with what God is doing. Amen. I am... Um, I talked about one time getting caught in a riptide, and it wasn't on purpose. I didn't usually swim outside of the flags because I was rebellious. I mean, I was rebellious, but <laughs> I'm sorry, mom and dad. Um, I wasn't saved, um, but I am now, praise the Lord. Um, but I remember I was just playing with a friend of mine. We were in the ocean, we were ducking and diving, and we were just playing in the waves and having so much fun. And I remember we came up, and it must have been about 30 minutes later. And we're like, where are the flags? Where, where are the flags? And we started panicking. And we're like, oh, my goodness. And then we started drifting faster and faster and faster. And we ended up having to fight and having to swim against a riptide that honestly took all of my strength. We were just little teenage girls, so we might not have had much strength anyway, but it took a lot for us to get back to shore. And see, it wasn't because we were trying to stay out of the flags, it's because we just didn't pay attention. We just didn't pay attention. 
And so I think that oftentimes we can drift because we're not engaged and we're not attentive to the truth. Again, in Hebrews it says, it is crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the truths that we have heard so that we do not drift off course. And see, drifting actually isn't an intentional posture. It's something that happens when we become passive. We just drift. We drift away from our faith. How many times have you heard it said that people have just lost their faith in Jesus? You don't lose your faith in Jesus if you're pressing into his presence and the word. You just don't. You lose your faith when you begin to neglect your faith. When you begin to just drift away because you're not paying attention to where the markers are in your life that are keeping you on course. And I think that sometimes culture can take us off course. Culture can make us forget what a miracle of salvation that we have. We are not to neglect such a great salvation. And we are to be attentive and engaged with the truth. I, um, I have a little, a little thing that the Lord has given me. He basically said, Renee, you can't really coast if you're pressing in. If you're pressing in, you can't just drift off course. Because pressing in requires intentionality, and it requires an active stance, not a passive stance. And he led me to Philippians. And we all know this. And again, this is in the Passion Translation. And this is in Philippians 3, 12 through 16. And it says this. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, and this is the part I really want you to pay attention to. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let all who are fully mature have this same passion. Do you know passion is a sign of maturity? Sailor. <laughs> Sometimes we think just like the young new believers who are like super fiery and passionate, like we call them immature believers. But the Lord says that passion is an indication of maturity. I'll just leave that one there. Um, and if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them and let us all advance together to reach this victory prize, following one path with one passion. However, I do not have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart. When you fasten your heart, you are engaged and you are attentive to the prize that is before you, the hope of Jesus. Amen? We cannot just sit by and let our faith drift away. We can't be carried by the currents of culture. We have to take an active stance to stay between the flags of our faith. Amen? Another lesson that I learned. Uh, my dad came to the family when I was about 16, and he was like, I want to get my scuba diving license. Who wants to come and get it with me? And I'm like, me? That sounds amazing. And my brother and uh, my mom were kind of like, nah, we don't really, we're not really interested. So it was just my dad and I, and 
I didn't actually realize how much like theory and reading there was to it. I might have reconsidered. But we spent weeks reading and actually had to pass a, an exam, a theory exam, before they let us get into the water. Um, and that was before they let us get into a swimming pool, not the ocean. <laughs> and if you're anything like me, I'm like, oh, let's just get on with this already. And so I was kind of like chomping at the bit, ready to go. And I remember I was so excited because we were going out on our first boat dive. And if you've ever done scuba diving, it's an exciting thing because you get to deeper levels of water if you're going out on a boat than you do with the shore entrance. And you get to do that really cool like James Bond move where you go back off the boat. It's a lot harder than it looks. I got salt water all up my nose. But anyway, it looked fun. Um, and so I remember we were actually on our way out in this boat and I started getting seasick. And I didn't used to get seasick. I had been fishing with my dad a ton of times. So I was pretty used to the motion of the water. And for some reason, I just started feeling nauseous. I started feeling dizzy. I think the waves were a little bit more than I was used to. I'm not sure what it was, but I was really starting to feel it. And I remember kind of just sitting there silently and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to be sick. This is awful. And if anyone's had motion sickness, you know it is not a fun experience. But I remember the captain of the boat turned to me and he said, look at the horizon. And I'm like, what? Why? He's like, look at the horizon and keep your eyes focused on the horizon and the sickness will pass. And I was like, okay, that sounds a little hokey pokey, but whatever, I'll do it. And I did it. And I just watched the horizon. And sure enough, my stomach began to settle and my dizziness ended up going. And I was able to make the rest of the trip fine as long as I was looking at the horizon. And so I started looking into this, like, why do people tell you to do this? Like, it's a truth that it works, but what is the theory behind it? And there's research that's been done, and it says this. It says, looking at the horizon gives your mind a frame of reference to determine exactly what is level. When you know what is level, your brain can deal with emotions reported by your inner ear. When you know what is level, your brain will tell your body to behave. <laughs> but you have to have a reference point for what level is. And luckily for us, our reference point for what is level is Jesus Christ. Amen? It's not the waves around us. It's not the people around us. It's not the fear of other people's opinions. It is the never-changing one. Jesus. And if in these moments and this storm of life where we feel a little bit motion sickness, where we feel a little bit like, what is happening? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm in this like, I never signed up for this homeschool deal. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> like nothing has brought me to my knees in prayer as much as homeschooling. <laughs> Praise you mothers who homeschool. You're my heroes. Um, but I constantly have to reset and keep my eyes on Jesus or otherwise I'm just going to be honest, I lose it. Like I lose it. I get anxious. I get overwhelmed. I just don't handle my day and I don't handle the people around me with much grace if I don't look to Jesus, if I don't tell my spirit what is my leveling point so that my spirit can command my body how to respond. I love, um, again, in Hebrews, in 
chapter 12, it says this, verse 2, we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. We look away from the natural realms. We look away from what is happening around us and we fasten. Again, it's an active stance. We fasten and we have to choose every single day to fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us. And I just love this. I love it because God is never changing. He is never changing. You know, James 1.17 in the New King James says this, Every good gift and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. We have to keep our eyes on the one who is consistent. God was never surprised by what is happening in the world today. This didn't catch him off guard. He knew before the beginning of time that this little thing called corona would pop up in 2020 and turn our worlds upside down. He knew it, and yet he doesn't change in the midst of it. And we need to constantly look to him, because I tell you what, this is a season where it's going to be easy to get motion sickness. <laughs> it's going to be easy for our inner world to be in turmoil. But we need to fix our gaze on Jesus. You know, I had um, two of the scariest moments of my life were both surrounding scuba diving. Um, one of them, which I'm not going to preach on, but I'll just tell you the story because it's kind of fun. Um, and because I survived and I feel like a little bit of a hero. But <laughs> um, I remember I went on my first night dive. So I don't know, um, again, how many people scuba dive in the room, but night dives are a whole different deal whole different deal. I remember it was a beach entry, so we just walked in uh, on the beach. And I remember we got in there and we got underwater. It was just my dad and I. We got underwater and it was pitch dark. And I have never been so scared in my entire life. If you can imagine being underwater, you're freezing cold even though you're in a full wetsuit. You're underwater and you can't even see the hand in front of your face. The only thing you can see is a flashlight. Wherever your flashlight points, you can see that. In any moment, you know, you're just like, oh, I'm going to die. <laughs> My leg is going to be eaten any second, any second. And then you have to come up to look for your fellow swimmers. And you come up and make sure you kind of haven't gone too far from the group. And like I said, it was just me and my dad, so the group wasn't very big. But you come up and again, it's just pitch dark. And it's this eerie silence when you're under the water. And it just... All of that to say, I don't recommend night diving. I don't think that the coral that glows is like as amazing as like almost peeing your pants. Like it seriously is so terrifying <laughs> to me. Okay, but one other moment that I had and it was on another boat dive. And I remember we were going to our deepest depth and we were just going down to, I think it was 45 to 50 feet underwater. And it was um, on the coast of... Eastern Australia and just meant to be one of the most beautiful places to go scuba diving and I remember we went down and again this was my first time kind of going in off a boat into the deepest waters I'd been in and we went down and we had only a few people in our group and 
we were just exploring and there were boulders all over the ocean floor. We couldn't even see sand or the bottom. It was just boulders. And in the crevices of the boulders were just coral and reef life. And it was amazing. It was amazing. You definitely feel like you're in someone else's world though. And you feel like this sense of, oh, I'm really little. I'm really small in this moment. Um, but I remember as I was exploring, something swam over me that blocked the sun. And I thought to myself in my mind, I'm going to die again. <laughs> I, it's for sure. I've watched Jaws enough time to know this is the end. This is the end. <laughs> and this whole shadow came over me. And I'm like, what else could be big enough to block the sun? Like, what other fish could be big enough? And I started kind of freaking out. And honestly, I don't know if it translates, but I get like goosebumps every time I talk about it. Like, my body shook with fear. Like, I just thought, like, we're known in Australia for, like, our great white sharks. So already you're taking a little bit of a leap of faith to go scuba diving. And I thought, well, I guess it's at least a fun way to go, you know. Like, I mean, she got eaten by a shark is better than she had a heart attack, you know, or whatever, you know. Like, it's a fun, it's an adventure way to go, so whatever. <laughs> And I remember I looked over at my dad and he must have seen this look of just absolute fear on my face and he started pointing up. And I'm like, well, I don't want to watch it happen. If I don't want to watch it happen. If I'm going to get eaten, I'm just going to close my eyes and let it happen. I do not want to watch this. But he's like, look up, look up. And I remember I rolled over and I looked up to the ocean ceiling and tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of fish, about this big, <laughs> with yellow and black stripes, swam across the roof of the ocean. And I got to tell you, like, it was one of the most holy, sacred, <laughs> beautiful moments of my life. Like, I remember every detail of that moment. And that was like 20 years ago. But it was a defining moment. I have never been more in awe of nature. I have never been more in wonder at God's creation. It was such a beautiful and special moment in my life. And I remember thinking, my natural instinct is worry and fear. My go-to is worry and fear. And sometimes our first reactions can be worry and fear. We think of the worst case scenario oftentimes, don't we? I know I do in a lot of situations. I know it's actually been something in my life that I have actively tried to get better at. And when a thought will creep into my head, I'm like, I'm going to rearrange that thought so that it is first positive before it's negative. But it's taken me years and years to do that because I think there's something in us that is innate that we want to just think of the worst case scenario. Like instead of thinking, wow, this is going to be like a whole school of fish, I'm like, oh, I'm going to die. You know, and sometimes we're in this season of life and our natural reaction is, I'm going to lose my job. Or I'm not going to be able to feed my family. And whatever happens, we start thinking of the worst case scenario before we've even looked up. And can I tell you that I think if we just stop and we look up, and we look to him that we will find ourselves actually in a beautiful moment. 
See, I think that we are in a defining season. We're in a defining season, and my question to you is, is this season going to be one that you look back on and remember as one of the most fearful seasons of your life? Or will it be one that you get to look back on and say, that was a sacred moment? That was a defining moment in my relationship with the Lord. That is where I chose to look up instead of all around me. When everything around me felt like it was going wrong, I didn't look to that first. I looked to God first. I looked up. Because I tell you what, he is so majestic. And he is working. And sometimes if we look at the bad, it overshadows the good that he is doing. And I'm not saying let's be in denial of the things that are happening around us. I know that this is real. I know that this is painful and this is a hard season for so many people. I know that. I know lives have been lost. I know this is real and that this is scary. But it can't be the thing that we anchor ourselves to. Fear is a playground for the enemy. And if we jump to worst case scenarios, the enemy is going to have a field day with us. We need to look up. We need to look up at his majesty and we need to realize that he knows that he's got this. He's got this and he's got us. But it's a choice that we get to make on a personal level. And I'm excited for this season. I really believe that this is a season where we get to cultivate the intimacy with God that he is so craving from us. That this is a time where we get to stop and we get to shift things back to the one. We get to rediscover our first love. This is such a beautiful season if we let it be. And bad things, God never said that bad things wouldn't happen. He never said that we wouldn't go through trials. But he did promise that he would be there in the midst of them. And I want to encourage you. I think sometimes we get anxious when we can't control things. I don't know if there's any other mums in the room, but like the fact that I clean my kitchen and I can't control the fact that it doesn't look like a bomb has hit it within an hour causes a little bit of anxiety in me. <laughs> I'm like, give me an hour of a clean house. But it's this anxiety that rises up and I've learned to identify it. It's anxiety because I want to control. I want to control something because there is so much that I can't control. And in this season more than ever, there is so much that we cannot control. We can't control it. But we have to realize that he is in control. I think we have to have a lot of grace for ourselves in this season, which I know it's easier said than done. <laughs> but we need to have grace for ourselves. We need to have these markers of the word and his presence that we keep ourselves actively pursuing. We need to remember that when anxiety rises up and that we feel overwhelmed, we need to look to the horizon and let our spirits command our bodies to be at peace. And we need to learn that instead of our go-to being fear, 
that it actually gets to be beauty if we just turn around and look up. I believe if we let it that this season will mark us. I really do. And I'm, like I said before, I'm excited to see how the church comes out of this. I'm excited to see her rise to her full potential. And I think we as a community, and not just Bethel Austin, I'm talking about the body of Christ, we as a community are going to come out of this so much stronger. We're going to come out with tools that we didn't know that we had. But most importantly, we are going to come out with a heart connection to the Lord that cannot be broken. That cannot be broken. And I believe that that steadfastness and that intimacy is what revival is the breeding ground for revival. Intimacy with God is the breeding ground for revival. And I think we are in a germination season. I think we are in this season of recalibrating and getting back to the one, of getting on our knees, of weeping before God, of spending time in his presence, of teaching our kids how to navigate the storms of life with faith and steadfastness. Because if I've noticed anything, it feels as though some of the generations, and mine included, I mean, you know, we kind of look to our grandparents. They were such like loyal, steadfast, sometimes set in their ways, if you want to use that as a good, good thing or a bad thing. But they were just these rocks and these kind of pillars. And I'm like, oh, I feel like we need to get back to that. <laughs> I feel like we need to get back to this like faith that is steadfast and it is grounded and it's not going anywhere. And you say to the devil, if you try to shake me, you just watch because I am going to stand. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus and I'm going to withhold any storm that you throw at me. And I believe that revival is coming. I know that everyone says that and I know that every generation believes that revival is birthed in their generation. But I know that something special is happening. And I know that God has had his hand on certain places in the earth over decades. Sometimes he was touching Wales, other times Azusa Street, other times Toronto, these great moves of God. But the difference is that it's going to be worldwide. That it's not going to be in just one location. But God is about to come in a greater measure, I think, than we have ever seen. And I think it is going to be sparked by the intimacy that the church has with the Father. I always, um, you know, we come from a culture that Bethel is very known for revival, revival. And I love it. I love exporting revival. I believe it's a, a mantle and an anointing on this house, on Reading. I believe it is a commissioning to export revival. But here is something I believe. I believe it is the local church that sustains revival. And I believe that we get to play such a beautiful part in this season of learning how to be a church, learning how to be a family, learning how to be a community in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a trial. And when all our eyes are focused on Jesus... When all our eyes are focused on Jesus, then this will be a revival that rests on a body and not a person.
The revival coming is not a one-man show. And this is our chance. This is our season for however long this lasts. It could go on for another week. It could go on for another three months. I hope not, but it could. (laughs) But I think that this is a moment that we need to take hold of. And we need to make the decision, is this going to be our moment to bow to fear? Or is this going to be our moment to rise in faith? So I want to encourage you with that. And I believe that we can all come out of this stronger in our faith, stronger as a community, stronger as a body, and stronger as families. Amen? Like this could be that season that we look back on 20 years from now and get goosebumps because of the majesty of God, because of the presence of God that filled our homes. This could be that season. This could be that season. I want to pray for you all. I want to pray for myself. I want to pray that we have more awe-filled moments, that we have more opportunity to see what God is doing. And I want to pray that we are steadfast in that season. And like we've said, I know Joaquin has preached it before, and I've spoken about it before, but it's just, it is a season of rest, yes, but this is a season of pressing in. This is a season of going deep. It's a season of going deep. Jesus, I thank you that you are never changing, that in the midst of chaos, you remain the same, ever faithful, ever present, ever glorious. God, I ask that you would just open our eyes to the miracles that are happening around us, that you would draw us into the secret place, God. where we won't let the currents of culture drift us, God, but that we would be steadfast, that we would remember our first love. God, I ask that you give us a passion to press in, passion to run the race, to not get tired. Equip us, God, with the gifts of the Spirit, that we may bring you glory. And God, I ask that this revival would start inside each and every one of us, and that our families would know revival, that our churches would know revival that this would be a mark of history where we get to say that we were a part of that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up, but I feel like this is a moment. This is a moment for us to be still. And to allow the Lord to recalibrate our hearts. 
to allow the Lord to take our eyes off the fear and put our eyes on the one who is constant, who is kind, who is faithful. As a team, before we started tonight's service, we prayed and we were like, God, we can do things in the natural. We can tune guitars and we can sing to the best of our abilities. We can use whatever technology we've got at hand. But God, we can't do what you can do. We can't change people's lives. We can't transform hearts. So Holy Spirit, we're asking that you come. We're asking that you come, Holy Spirit, and do what only you can do. We want to be a part of services that mark us and change us and draw us closer to you. We don't want to watch a service because it's good entertainment. We're not in this for entertainment. We're in this to be transformed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And in the beginning, you were singing. In the end, you'll still be singing out. Sign
affection towards us, God. Thanks that you don't just love us, but that you like us. We thank you for your presence, and we thank you for the word that keeps us grounded in this season. And Father, we just ask for an increase of your presence in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Actually, just as we went into that song, just I just really felt a strong prompting that the Lord was delivering people of depression. I felt um, like fogginess of minds was being cleared in Jesus' name. Um, just confusion and forgetfulness even. I felt like the Lord, I saw him as a brain surgeon just rewiring parts of people's brains. And I feel like uh, mental illnesses as well. The Lord is just, re- I even specifically see OCD. I feel like the Lord has got his hand on someone right now who has OCD and he is just, he is just eradicating it from your life right now in Jesus' name. Yeah, we speak the balance, the anointing, the peace of heaven over your minds in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I actually just had this sense that the Lord was um, that the Lord was going to take some people on a sozo. That <laughs> you didn't even need anyone else to be in the room, but that the Lord was going to do some heart surgery on some people and trauma from the past. It may be surfacing in this season, but I felt like the Lord is saying it's surfacing so we can deal with it. It's surfacing so that we can deal with it. And so I would encourage you, if that's you, to just go deep with God and allow Him, allow Him to heal you. In Jesus' name, we just break off trauma from your life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.